Welcome to episode 3 of the flyhalf.net podcast. Flyhalf.net is a web publication about rugby and New Zealand. Thanks for checking out the podcast. This is Phil Metcalf, currently based in New York City. Earlier today, I caught up with flyhalf.net co-founder Jordan Clark, who is down in Auckland, New Zealand, to recap the All Blacks test against France and review the 2016 season. Enjoy! Did you see the cricket yesterday? Yeah, yeah, I did. I actually sat down and watched like that last hour. Man, that was awesome, man. It was pretty unreal. Like, I was kind of following it throughout the day going, oh, man, you know, the Parkies have kind of taken this back. They're starting to mount a bit of a run chase. And then it was after tea time. It was like uh, Satna, like he just threw some lollipops up and they, they had a good swing with them and they yeah. chopped them on. He had a couple of chopped ons, eh? I saw that from, yeah. from the house late last night. Anyway, all right, let's get this going. Um, so 24-19 to the All Blacks. Uh, stayed to France. Uh, I thought it looked pretty good. Looked like a packed house. I'm not sure when was the last time we played there was. was it, it's been a few years, I think, right? You, you said the stat last week or whenever it was that we've never lost there, and so I immediately felt better about the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, never lost at, uh, at that stadium. Uh, we had lost in Paris before back in... Oh, God, I can't remember what it was now, the 60s or 70s or something like that. But, yeah, it had a pretty good record at uh, that particular stadium. One that springs to mind was that big revenge match after the, the World Cup loss, and the boys uh, poured on some points there. Yeah. It was closer than expected, though. I think our boys looked pretty tired. I don't know. I was getting pretty frustrated with the kicking as well. I feel like the dag try, it encouraged the continuation of kicking the ball away a lot and and it felt like maybe we just wanted to, to defend the whole game instead of run around with the ball in hand. Yeah, it was, it was definitely closer than, uh, than expected. But then again, we didn't know which French team would turn up on the day. Right. Um, I, I think they, they played above expectations. And again, we played probably a touch below what we've you know, come to expect from this squad, given what yeah. they've done this year. I mean, they had to defend for fairly long periods of that match as well. How many times did they drop the ball on the try line as well? Oh, yeah. I mean... They give away sort of probably 15 points worth, mm. three tries, I reckon. Done all the hard work and uh, final pass just dropped dropped the bickies right before the line. There's another big defensive performance for us, though, I guess. Like to do that again after the Dublin display against the Irish, I thought was pretty, pretty cool in hindsight, you know, even though it might not have been the most enjoyable to watch. Yeah, it was a pretty galvanised defensive effort there. They had to defend for long periods yet again, and that's always pretty taxing, like at any stage of the season, let alone last game of a, of yeah. a long season. Yeah. So, you know, mistakes are bound to creep into their game. Yeah, um, but in terms of the kicking, like maybe, I don't know, maybe they didn't back their usual execution from deeper in their own territory like they sort of usually would, particularly at the start of the season. How about uh, Wayne Barnes's microphone turned all the way up? <laughs> <laughs> I think they've got to uh, they've got to start doing that for every game. I think it was um, awesome to have that insight, even though the uh, language might not have been PG rated. Uh, yeah, but it was wasn't appropriate. But then those boys probably didn't realise they were getting picked up on the old uh, refs cam, uh, refs mic. Um, I, I thought it was great hearing uh, the, the encouraging words from TJ. Sort of yeah. motivating the pack. Yeah, yeah, just some of the little little quips that you you don't normally get to hear. I, I thought it was fantastic. I was trying to think like what other sport has it like that. I mean, in NFL, they'll like mic up maybe one player on the inside of his helmet and like only show it in replay. But like a live 
stream of like the players yelling and swearing and kind of all sorts. I don't know if there's any other sport that kind of has that. Uh, I, I believe the NRL have done it a few times. They've had Sean Johnson, um, Justin Thurston, uh, Jonathan Thurston, sorry, and uh, I think Willie Mason was uh, was mic'd up, and his uh, I think I've watched his before on YouTube, and it's pretty hilarious some of the things he was saying. <laughs> yeah, keep it going, I reckon. Maybe something we'll see in the Lions tour. Yeah, well, who knows? You know, you know Sky Sport can take a, can take it. They'll be the host broadcaster, I imagine. They can take a little freebie. I reckon a uh, a mic on Izzy Dag's jersey would be would be pretty valuable. <laughs> so uh, if we think back to the whole season, out of ten, what would you what would you rate the season? I think it's like I'm jump straight to the rating. I think like a nine out of ten for me. We're, we only lost like one game. The Welsh campaign was pretty solid in a post Rugby World Cup year. Smashed mm-hmm. all those records in the Rugby Championship and unfortunately managed to get to Chicago to see the only loss of the year. Just my luck, but I still think it's pretty high up there with one of the better seasons in, in the last few years, really. I think it's fair to say you were the unlucky charm there, Phil. Uh, it'd been a great <laughs> season until you turned up to watch. Thanks for putting that on me, man. <laughs> um, pretty tough to rate. Uh, I mean, just the one loss and... You know, looking at the fixtures, out of all the games we've lost, you probably would have said that was the, the best match to drop. Yes, a solid opening series against Wales. Uh, I've got the, the scores here for that. It was 39-21 to 21 in the first. Nice. 36-22 in the second. 46-6 in the third. Like, that's that's a great series. Yeah. Uh, Wales and no mugs certainly helped the, the public move on from the, the McCaw-Carter sort of era. Uh, and they followed it up with just a record-breaking rugby championship taking maximum points uh, yeah. against last year's... Like, it was last year's World Cup semi-finals. It's all in the Rugby Championship. Yeah, uh, it's crazy. Scored a whopping, was it 38 tries or something like that? Like, yep. broke their own record for that. Um, the average match score I've got here was 44 to 14. Wow. Wow. Uh, I mean, that's that's pretty huge. Uh, and then they closed off the season with some, some gritty, sort of hard-fought uh, wins in Europe. Brought in some new faces. Adi Savia, Anton Leonard Brown, uh, Elliot Dixon, Liam Coltman, Scott Barrett, uh, Rico Yuani, Liam Squire as well. He's mm. they they all stood Sounds up. They nice. all uh, you know, they, they they earned their jerseys. They they, did. they played uh, pretty bloody well. Um, put themselves yeah in the mix for the Lions tour next uh, next season. I'm tempted to call it a nine point five out of ten. Right. But I'm going to take half a mark off for the uh, lack of drop goal from Kiz uh, still. Yeah, still waiting. Still no drop goal. Uh, still no drop goal. Um, I'm going to have to make it a 9 out of 10 myself. Definitely a half a mark for Karen's lack of, lack of drop goal so far. We are, uh, we're gonna, maybe next year. Maybe next year. I mean, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just sitting here waiting, just sitting here waiting. <laughs> Who is your player of the year and, and why? Israel Dag for me, he's always been a bit of a, a favourite, but you know, just you felt you've always the, had a soft spot for Dag. Always had a soft spot for Dag. Always wondered if he would ever be back in the jersey, and after last year and, and missing out, on, you know, of the Rugby World Cup, a very talented mm. side that went up to to the Northern Hemisphere and got the job done, and to come back this season and 
you know, he scored 10 tries and he was just so solid yeah. on the wing and on full and fullback. We got to see some of those old runs and uh, some massive clearance kicks from fullback that the, his boot is just so reliable. He's kicking 60 meters from inside our own, you know, try line sometimes. So I was just so pleased to see Dag back and, you know, hopefully he doesn't sign elsewhere in the off season, which seems to be the rumor that's going around. Yeah, that would be a, a big loss, I think, for the uh, NZAF if he sneaks away. Yeah, I'd be gutted. How about you, man? Who is your player of the year? Uh, my player of the year, I, I, I've had a soft spot for Dane Coles all year. I I think is yeah, he combines toughness and set piece expertise, and uh, I mean, let's not forget that glorious free range ball running ability he's got. Yeah, it's just exciting when you get to the ball. You you never know sort of what's going to happen, but you know you're on the edge of your seat watching, and just he's an he's an excitement machine. He had sort of maybe one or two kind of poor games throughout the season, but for the majority of it, he's just been excellent. You had him as a front runner for the Player of the Year, didn't you? I did. Yeah, um, playing like he had from from the hooker position was I, I thought he was just outstanding. Um, I did. Feel sorry for Augustin Creevy uh, not getting nominated for the, the IRB Player of the Year award, but I guess they were maybe thinking two hookers nominated wasn't uh, wasn't the way to go. Precious precious spots, maybe. Yeah, yeah. With Coles, like he he backed up. Yeah, you know, he led the Hurricanes to their first uh, Super Rugby Championship. He did. For one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. On uh, and uh, backed up was it the week after the, the Super Rugby final to be on the bench versus Oz. And ended up having to play most of yeah. that match uh, with his with his banged up ribs. What was it after five minutes or something? He was on the park. Something like that, four or five minutes, I think. And uh, yeah, he had to come on. And they would already spoken about how his, his ribs were were fairly tickled up after after the Super Rugby semis and final. And uh, he just, the guy's tough, you know. He'll, he'll do anything for that black jersey. Yeah, I mean, it's I kind of think like it's been an awesome year. Nine out of ten from both of us. Couple of breakout performances from a few players if we ask ourselves like what what was the biggest disappointment uh, what comes to mind for you when you think about like disappoint disappointments from the year disappointments from the year um uh, you'd you'd think i would be saying the one loss but i i wasn't really disappointed with that game um i was more happy for ireland to finally sort of got that monkey off the back yeah uh, biggest disappointments. There's sort of two that spring to mind. Um, the old Spygate. Mm. Uh, it's definitely a strange one. Uh, still unsolved. Still unsolved. Uh, yeah, you don't really know what's what's going on there. It's kind of just faded from the media as well. No one's really keeping track of it. Maybe we'll never know. Well, maybe that's probably yeah, that's <laughs> probably the way it's going to go. Someone's probably bought them off. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a strange one, like just the timing of it when it came out in the media, like right on game day. Yeah, that was odd. It's, I mean, that's fairly distracting, having accusations flying about sort of right before kickoff. And, I mean, if it comes out it was Australia, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that's played out really well by the uh, the media then. But That's huge, yeah. You know, that, Aussie were kind of screwed either way. You know, if they won... It's because, you know, they were definitely the ones to place the bug and they collected all the intel and had the game plan. And, you know, if they, you know as they lost as they did, the media sort of jumped on them on how poor they are. Yeah. Or maybe they threw the game to appear innocent. Yeah. And I haven't even looked up if they are, if the, the police have actually ruled anyone out yet. I mean, I'm sure 
there might have been little updates here and there, but it was such a big story, and then it's just completely faded into, you know, the the background since. It's it's a bit it's an odd story. It's an odd story. It's an odd story. It's yeah, it has just completely dropped off the radar. And you know, it it, it, it was pretty disappointing. I think that it was even a story at all. I guess. Yeah, again with the timing of it coming out on game day, like did that really need to come out then? Was that the best timing? I mean I'm sure Exactly. I'm sure it probably wasn't the All Blacks sort of agenda for that to for it to come out like that, for it to happen like that, but you know, it was kind of in their power as well. Yeah. You mentioned uh two two uh things come to mind. Uh Spygate and, and what was the other? The other, obviously, the the incident with Aaron Smith. Mm. Uh, he obviously he made a poor choice in a particularly public place, and uh, it just seems to have derailed what was looking to be another stellar season for the halfback. Really, yeah, I'd agree. Like Spygate comes to mind when you think about disappointments, but can't get past the incident in Christchurch. Like just just like poor decision making, man. Like, and it it ruined pretty much the rest of the season for him like after those huge highs against South Africa and Christchurch like he had a he had such a good game and everyone was completely in agreement all around the world that he's the best halfback in the world and now we're kind of wondering how is he going to go on super rugby and hoping to to see you know form of old before the Lions tour but you couldn't really have a bigger turnaround other than being dropped completely from the team and so, just massively disappointing. I think it's a reminder that the All Blacks are only human, really, isn't it? And when you're an All Black, it's a 24 hours a day, seven days a week role on and off the field. It's not really just about Saturday. And I suppose the whole New Zealand public and everyone was reminded of that as the whole thing played out. Yeah, I mean, as an All Black, uh, especially over here, you're, you're in the public eye 24-7, um, even when you're not all garbed up in the, the Adidas gears. Yeah, and yeah, you you just really expect uh, expected better decision making given the circumstances, given the situation. I mean, I mean, a season had been looking so good till then too. Like one sort of rough match, I think it was against Argentina. Yeah, aside, uh, he'd been just exceptional. Warren Gatland had called him. He was the, he called him the best player in the world. Wow, Gats is probably quietly smug about the whole thing right now with his lines coming next year. But... <laughs> I mean, it's not like he'll have it easy against TJ either. But no, uh, yeah, no. we can only hope that uh, that Aaron takes his takes his time over the summer break and really sort of settles down and works things out and gets gets through sort of the dark sort of place he's in. Yeah, thinking about the Lions next year, like what do you think our strengths are and like our weaknesses? It's the next time the All Blacks will take the field in, in front of us all. You know, I'm sure they'll have some warm up games against each other, but you know, or maybe against some provincial sides, but, you know, in terms of running out onto a, a park and in the public eye, it's it's the next time we'll see them. You know, where do you place our strengths and our, our weaknesses right now? Yeah, our strengths, I'd say depth is, is definitely a strength across uh, all positions. Right. Perhaps lock aside. Um, I mean, I think Chicago showed up that we can't afford to lose both Retallick and Whitelock at the yeah. same time. We'll uh, We'll get by with one of them. Um, with you know someone having to step up, whether it's Patrick Tuipulotu or you know whoever gets sort of the chance, um, as long as one of them's out there, we seem to go all right. But uh, to have both right. of them out, they're it, just too valuable. Another streak, I think, on home soil, 
uh, next year is going to be a massive strength for us. I mean, you can't overlook the fact that we're 43 straight tests at home. Wow. Two of the, the Lions tests are at Eden Park. We haven't lost there since 94. Uh, right. It's uh, 36 unbeaten tests there. Yeah. And if you, you go back all the way back to 99, we've lost just six of our last 100 home tests. Wow. So New Zealand's a, a pretty tough place to tour, uh, sort of regardless of, of who it is that's touring. It's a it's a pretty tough place where we're pretty good on the on our home track, and the New, New Zealand crowd just seems to get behind us, which I think lifts the boys as well. Mm. Yeah, I'd say the kind of the defense that we saw against Ireland in Dublin, and then we followed it up, you know, last Saturday against France kind of shows that aspect of our game a physicality that we can bring when we're really focused on it and you know have identified that we need it as well and that could yep. be huge for for the Irish if they, uh, for the British and Irish Lions if they come down and try to outmuscle us we've already seen that we can kind of play that game as well as you know as well as the flair and on attack which is reassuring yeah, I mean we we love a good arm wrestle of a match. Uh, the defense uh, defensive efforts on the on the tour have been been pretty bloody good, and then you yeah. look at the rest of the season, it's been pretty bloody good as well. Um, what was that average score? Forty four to fourteen. So we've only been conceding right. fourteen points. Uh, I, I think a, a weakness is uh, is our discipline at the moment. It's uh, mm. the penalty count's been creeping up on us, sort of towards the end of the rugby championship, and then leading into the, the end of season tour. Um, it just they just seem to mount up, and the momentum doesn't work with us. Like the ref just seems to jump on it and keeps going. They doesn't he doesn't seem to pick up on the infringements of the opposition because we've just been giving away so many. So many we seem to be in his uh, in the ref's eye, um, and we we can't afford to be giving away so many penalties every game. Uh, I'm sure they know that. It is a weakness as well that the prep time, I think you sort of touched on it just before, how we've got no lead-up tests, we've got no matches sort of lined up. Um, I'm sure they'll, they'll have something in place, maybe an old-school probables versus possibles match. Yeah, that'd I mean, be awesome. How, how, how great are those? I wonder if we'd see that televised. Uh, that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Um, or even, you know, we've spoken ourselves uh, about a, a state of origin, North Island versus South Island That's match. right, yeah. As long as they don't go out and kill each other, then I think everyone would probably get a lot out of that, as well as the players, you know? Absolutely. It'd be a great, uh, a great lead and sort of work out for the lads and, again, televise that and then probably sell a few North Island jerseys and South Island jerseys. It'd be interesting to see who, who plays for which, uh, which island. Yeah, and there'd be bragging rights on the line and all sorts of stuff. It'd be quite good, wouldn't it? I think it'd be fantastic, yeah. We can keep sending that email to the NZIU. Uh, trying to pitch it to them. One day, one day it might actually happen. I'll, I'll hit that uh, tweet on repeat. Just keep <laughs> it going to them. Yeah. And would you say that, like this year, I think I was reading an article um, where it was kind of talking about: is this a surprise year, like in terms of its success, given how many players left after you know our Rugby World Cup 2015 with McCaw, Carter, Nonu, Smith, Nialamu. Ben Franks, there are a few others as well, a few fringe players that are no longer on the scene. You know, and I was thinking mm-hmm. we we all we all wondered, we all worried to a certain extent, some more than others. But in hindsight, you look at the starting fifteen that played the Rugby World Cup final, and eleven of them 
are still playing for the All Blacks and starting for the All Blacks. Oh, right. And, you know, 15 of the squad of 23, the, ma- the match day 23 in the Rugby World Cup final against Australia uh, are still around. So it doesn't actually seem so bad now. And I guess it's a testament to our depth and maybe our leadership group structure around losing big names, but not losing kind of what it means to be part of that team and, and su- continues to succeed. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's surprising to see the majority of the the World Cup squad is still around. hadn't uh, hadn't given that too much thought, to be honest. Um, but to to lose that much experience and class across, like you know, the front row, the midfield, um, you know, fly half and McCaw at, uh, at seven, I think it's still pretty surprising to see how successful this team has been this year. Like, and the records they've set as well. Mm. I mean, it seems so long ago now since, you know, McCall's veterans left the game. Uh, just because these new guys like, you know, Sam Kane has stepped up in McCall's absence. Uh, Crotty and Anton Leonard-Brown in the midfield. Um, and Barrett at fly have picked up sort of where they left yeah. off. Yeah, that's right. They've, they've just kind of stepped right in and said, thank you very much. I'll take it from here. Yeah, it's, <laughs> they've just been waiting in the wings for those guys to finally uh, get out of the way. Speaking of uh, Anton Leonard Brown, you know, for me, he's the biggest surprise of the year. Uh, when I think, when I think back to what what weren't we expecting, you know, through an, an injury opportunity, he uh, he has kind of popped up and just absolutely made the most of his chance in that in that backline. And you know, he's played his first and second test looking like he had played fifty, and I don't think anyone saw that saw that coming at all. And now the depth that we have in that the back line, given Nonu and Carter have gone, uh, Nonu and Smith have gone, is really quite astounding, I would say. Ah, oh, yeah. I mean, Leonard Brown is he's been incredible in the midfield for for such a young guy, like uh, just slotted straight in, and he's never looked out of place. Yeah. Just uh, exceptional decision making. His defence has been uh, it's been up there, and uh, the the guys just loving being in there. And, and like you said, it's it's all through. Uh, he got his chance through injury. Yeah, it's crazy. Poor old Charlie Natai. Yeah, all year, and uh, yeah. up until the point he was given his chance, and the concussion issues sort of kicked in, and now it seems like he's sort of at the back of the queue again, behind Crotty. Yeah. SBW, he's back, and you know Leonard Brown and Fiki Tower, and yeah, Fiki Tower and Morales like probably have the experience on him now, having had a few tests and sort of proving themselves that they yeah. can handle the Test match arena. Yeah, it's fascinating to think that Natai might not even be on the scene for the Lions tour next year. Um, I mean, yeah, he's, he's just a poor dude. <laughs> yeah. uh, any other surprises come to mind for you when you think about the year that's been? Uh, the, the South African sort of tumble down from greatness right. is, uh, is pretty surprising. Um, so yeah, sad. It really is. I've been one of our sort of Great! It's been one of the great rivalries of New Zealand rugby, us in the Springboks, and uh, I, I wonder if there's some seriously bad stuff going on in the inner workings of South African rugby at the moment. It makes you wonder, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, they're possibly feeling the effects from from their World Cup retirements, like uh, you know Victor Matfield, John de Villiers, Schalkberger, Fury de Pries as well. True. I mean that's, uh, that's a fair amount of experience and class that uh, that they're missing right across the park and. I guess they're they're having the kind of season we perhaps thought you know, might have happened to the ABs. I think uh, the other surprise for me is just the rise of 
Ireland and, and England, and like you say, the fall of South Africa and Australia. Australia lost to England 3-0 at home, a touring England team after a fairly tough Six Nations and a 14-man Ireland team beat South Africa in South Africa, you know, and it feels like maybe there's a bit of balance shifting back towards the middle between the north and the south. And I actually wonder, like, what's the rugby championship going to be like after the Lions tour? And are our boys just going to dominate because they've had a, a great prep with the, uh, with the Lions tour? Or are they going to just find a, a, a rejuvenated South African team and an Aussie team that wants to finally maybe take the Bledisloe off us or, or something along those lines? It'd be very interesting to see. Yeah, it will be interesting. Um, I'd like to think that the Springboks will get up for the, well, I guess you call them the, the local derbies in the in the Southern Hemisphere. They're, they're always sort of big tests for those guys. Um, I mean, they, they did play pretty well for probably the first half of each game against us this year, and then the wheels fell off a little bit in the second half and things opened up and we ran, we ran right. Mm. I'm, I'm wondering if Australia will actually enjoy watching the Lions come down here and try beat us up. And, you know, if they manage to beat England this, this weekend, the last game of their Northern Tour, you know, they might actually go into next year with, a, with some good momentum, having only lost to Ireland on the end-of-year tour and kind of putting this year behind them and maybe we'll find a stronger Australian team next year. It'll be, it'll be very interesting to see. I, I think this Australian team's going to develop. Um, I think they'll come back pretty strong next year. Uh, I've, I've never really wanted wanted this to happen before, but man, I want Australia to win this weekend. Yeah, so bad, so so bad, so bad. Uh, <laughs> I I can't stand the thought of Eddie Jones sort of pumping his chest about taking over Australia four nil this year. Yeah, that would. I mean, it would be a huge achievement, but the guy's just so annoying, and the whole team's just so annoying. Uh, how amusing is the uh, the banter between Checker and Jones? <laughs> what Checker said this week, basically, you're un-Australian, right? He's like, all these comments, yeah. yeah. Just two clowns work in the media circus, you know? Like, it's... <laughs> oh, man. Best individual or team performance of the year for you? Anything come to mind in particular? Uh, yeah, to sort of narrow it down. Um I guess individually, Dane Cole's match versus the Springboks, uh, I thought that was an exceptional game from him. Hmm. Um, he was he was everywhere. He was making tackles. Like his three tries, like each better than the last. Yeah. Um, there was the, the quick hands for the first one. There was the acceleration and the offload for the second. And then the third was that, was it about a 20, 25-meter pass out wide to yep. Sam Whitelock yep. lurking out in the wings? Mm-hmm. Um, just yeah, he was clinical at the set piece, of course. Um, just just crazy good performance from a hooker. Uh, if he'd pulled off that chip kick as well, I mean that would have just been the greatest performance ever. Maybe that would have been IRB Player of the Year. That chip kick. Oh, that was the that was the difference, you reckon? <laughs> the chip kick went out, and oh, uh, that yeah. was it. Bowden yeah. had it wrapped up. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see if Coles can keep it up, and maybe he'll get another chance at that Player of the Year. Gone. Yeah, I mean he's he's set fairly lofted stand, uh, lofty standards now with the the performances he's put in this year. Um, Bowden's Bowden's match versus Ireland uh, in Dublin um, is is up there too. Um, he came out with a point to prove. Had just been announced World Player of the Year. 
Um, I think maybe that was the nervous sort of thing holding him back with his goal kicking yeah, all year. They yeah, said, hey, you're the best player in the world, and he went, oh, right, I can kick goals. Yeah, amazing turnaround in the last few games for sure. I mean, we thought that that was going to be the thing that maybe prevented him from getting it in the first place, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, his his round the field kicking had been had been pretty good, but when it came to goal kicking, I mean, he was he was having a bit of a shocker there for a while, wasn't he? Yeah, it was pretty frustrating. <laughs> yet he <laughs> yet he still beat Dan Carter's record by converting the most tries in a single season. Um, oh right, he needed he needed all three in that needed, last test. He needed all three in that last test, and he got it. So he got it. He would have easily blitzed it if his kicking percentage had been a bit higher earlier in the year. <laughs> easily. I think for me, like I think back to, if we think about team performance, uh, I think we didn't know it at the time, but that first game against Wales, we saw the blueprint for what we would soon see all throughout the year. We were down until the 60th minute and then you know just blitzed Wales in this final quarter to run away. 39-21, and it was great to see Karen uh, Karen Reed running running around in his first game of the post McCaw kind of legacy and captaincy. He led with nine tackles, won all the five lineouts, you know, fourteen ball carries, and just was a presence on the field in that first game. And it's so it's so long ago now to think you know that first Welsh Test, but in some ways the yeah. All Blacks have been putting us through our paces as, as supporters and, and viewers all year um, with these kind of final, you know, second half or final quarter just blitzes to really put the foot down and, and secure the game away. And we didn't really know it at the time, but, you know, it's it's what we've come to expect from the boys. Yeah. I mean, it was it was definitely pleasing to see uh, Kez's sort of first game as the, the established all-black captain. To, to have a real impact like that, and it would have been a worry had they had they dropped that game. But then after the whole World Cup exodus, everyone was sort of a bit unsure as to how things would go. And that's right. Yeah, for him to rally the boys together like that and put in a big uh, big final quarter effort to to run away. What was it? Thirty nine twenty one. Just uh, yeah, just a, a great effort. It's a it was a great sort of team performance, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think a lot of credit needs to go to the the All Blacks. Fitness uh, supremo Nick Gill. Um, he seems to have those those boys on a on a tight schedule that uh, that they're, they're happy to do. And the, the final quarter of of all those tests in the rugby championship, really, they they really cut teams to pieces. Yeah, it just feels like we've always got more gas in the tank, you know, and could probably play ninety minutes in most most games. I mean, maybe not the the Irish performance where it was just so physical in, in Dublin and then definitely not France on the weekend, but elsewhere we kind of just saw a, a team that just kept going through the paces on defence right until, you know, 80-plus minutes every time. Yeah, I mean, their conditioning is is extreme. They would be the most conditioned uh, team in the world, I'd say. I'd, I don't see too many other teams out there going the distance like they can. And, uh, yeah, you got to give it to Nick Gill because, like, he... He talks the talk and he walks the walk. I mean, the guy does uh, Ironmans in his spare time as well. Easy easy one to take instructions from then as you're hitting the gym each morning. Yeah, you probably wouldn't argue with him too much, would you? No, not at all. And how about um, concerns? I mean, we talked about strengths and weaknesses a little bit. If you think back about the team this year, 
Are there any other concerns that come to mind? I mean, discipline, we've talked about uh, the perception by the ref for me and, and the blurry lines that exist between referees and then when they're out on the park and under pressure. As we've seen, it makes our big kind of physical approach when we want to play that way look look pretty dodgy. But we're not doing ourselves any favours a lot of the time when we're conceding such a high penalty count. You know, towards the end of the Rugby Championship and through the Northern Tour, I think... Every match except the Italy test, we conceded 12 or more penalties, sometimes up to 14, 15. So, you know, that is very concerning. We, we, we can't expect to be able to carry on that way, especially against the Lions. No, we can't be giving away 12-plus uh, penalties every game, that's for sure. Um, I, I do wonder how much effect the media has on refs. Like, for a while yeah. now, they've been calling us out saying you know we're getting away with murder at the, the rucks and malls and that sort of thing and uh, I do wonder if they're putting a more putting more focus on watching what we're doing and not so much what the opposition's doing because I mean Barnsley left to check his phone he, he missed a few calls out there no he did you're, yeah you're right yeah I don't think we've been thugs I don't I don't think our, our aggressive approach to the tackle was has been that wrong I guess in the eyes of the law I no. I think it's something we'll have to keep an eye on for sure and I'm sure Hanson's spoken about it and he'll have sort of plans in place for next season in terms of uh, what refs we get for each test and, and that sort of carry on but I'm, I am concerned about the discipline I, you do worry about giving away so many kickable penalties hmm Definitely. I mean, the, Definitely. the line's coming next year. They're going to be taking points whenever they get them. And if they get a yeah. roll on with a few early kicks and that sort of thing, it's going exactly. to be hard for the boys to, to drag it back. Exactly. And they're going to have about four, you know, pretty decent 80 plus, 80% 80 plus kickers in their squad from, you know, each country. So it's not going to be a problem for them to slot a few penalties over. Oh, definitely not. I mean, we've just spoken about the rise of Northern Hemisphere rugby and they're going to be the best of the best coming down here and uh yeah we're not, we can't afford to be giving away the silly penalties that's for sure that's right so if we think about like the big focus you know or or talking point next year you know what what what's going to be the the big focus of talking point next year for you do you think if you if you think about the media coverage and you know you're at the pub talking to your mates you know, we're on fly half writing a few articles what are, what are we going to be talking about do you reckon i think we'll be talking about uh the form players of Super Rugby. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Steve Hansen picks the squad, whether he picks on form or he picks on experience. Mm. Um, I think that'll be the, the massive talking point. And uh, also the Lions squad itself. Right. Um, be interesting to see what sort of mix they go with, uh, what, what sort of mix Gatlin goes with. He, he favoured his Welsh players uh, in that last series against Australia, That's didn't right. he? That's right. Yeah, he did. And he, he dropped O'Driscoll in that last game as well. Huge call, but uh, turned out to be the right one to make, huh? That's right, yeah. yeah. I think, like, what is our best backline? Um, and maybe we don't have a best. Maybe we just have options, you know. But I think you're right. We're going we're gonna to have to keep an eye on the Super Rugby performances really closely. There's going to be a number of players putting their hands up, I think. We're going to see a few play injured players from this year back and wanting to show that they've still got the goods. And I think the whole of New Zealand is going to be probably in potentially in disagreement about who should start in those first roles in the first 
uh, in the first test against the Lions, and it's going to be very interesting to see what our selectors, what our what our selectors do, and and who they go with. Yeah, I think the back line will probably be the the most talked about. I mean, you you look at the sort of best team we put out against Ireland in that big test in Dublin. You had Ben Smith, Israel Dagg, and Julian Savia. Mm. Uh, you throw Nehi Milner Scudder back into the mix, the, the Scudder step. That's right. I mean, what a yeah. revelation he was he on was. last year. Yeah, that's right. Um, and you, you can bet your bottom dollar he'll be wanting to get that black jersey back. But you know, how well is he going to have to play to to get that back from Dag? Yeah, he's going to have to have is a... It, is it Dag's jersey to lose, uh, depending on super rugby form? Mm. Although Hanson's already shown, you know, he's... He can stick with his favourites. You know, he's, once he's got an experienced lineup going, he's pretty happy to stick with it. That's right. I read in the paper yesterday or the day before that Hansen has basically told Dag that if he hangs around, he will play through to 2019 on current form. And so what kind of message does that send to, to Nata? I think there's also Sonny Bill Williams sitting there waiting to run out for the Blues and, and show New Zealand why he's, you know, some people's favourite, and and I think, where does he go with Anton Leonard Brown and Crotty and Fiki Toa and Moala? So it's there's it's it's such a great problem to have, but I think it's definitely going to be a huge focus for everyone leading up to that first test. Oh, I mean, what a problem to have uh, selection sort of headaches like that. Uh, I think any other coach in the world yeah. would uh, would be. <laughs> yeah, it's a dream. It's a dream position to be in for for Hanson in that sense. Um, I'm looking forward to SBW being back. Um, I hope he goes well with the Blues. Uh, I think he's got that X factor. Um, he can provide those busts. He's solid on defence. I, I expect him to, to be putting his hand up for selection in the Lions series. Mm. Yeah. It is going to be be tricky to, to fit it all in. Like, How does the, the puzzle piece together? But I'm sure Henson will work that out. And I think the, the New Zealand public's going to have a hell of a time uh, Having their discussions over brown champagne in the pub about who their lineups are, and a few discussions back and forth about why you've picked so and so and whatnot. Yeah, should be good fun. You know, it's been a pretty good year to launch a uh, web publication about rugby in New Zealand. Our our team has made it very enjoyable to watch all the games and and you know write about the lads and and where things are going and and a few other subjects. Uh, just wanted to share some some proud stats. We had um, over four thousand page views since launch on June fifteen, uh, which was leading up to that first Welsh test. Uh, we had the first um, single month with a thousand plus sessions this month in November. Uh, your post, greatest fifty players of the professional era, is our, our most popular with over eight hundred and fifty visits alone. We've had visitors from 59 countries. Um, check out flyhalf.net and, and all the posts uh, and, the, and the podcast. Um, the UK, New Zealand and the USA, most popular. When we kind of recap those stats, you kind of have to think, you know, not bad for a, a couple of part-timers and it's it's been uh, it's been a fun thing to start. Um, I mean, yeah, that's that's pretty mind-boggling to uh, to hear those stats. You've just sort of <laughs> spouted out there. Um I mean, just yeah, a lot of fun. What a yeah, like you said, what a what a great year to sort of start it. I mean, the team just the All Blacks just playing unreal rugby this year. Yeah. Such attacking prowess. So it makes it a bit of a joy to to sit mm. there and, and write about. Mm. 
And uh, yeah, not bad for a, for a couple of part-timers and particularly this one who, who didn't do so well in the old school English. <laughs> Mate, your writing is impeccable. <laughs> <laughs> it gives watching each match a different angle or a different edge. You know, uh, I feel like I'm more engaged in off-the-ball activity. You know, specific players, what are they doing around the park, their, their work rate. And then there's this feeling of like, staying across longer term trends over multiple games like and i've never really spent too much time thinking about that um and i feel like with the with the website and thinking about you know player ratings and and, and talking points you know you start looking yeah. for those kinds of things is that is that kind of what you've noticed yeah absolutely um i remember sitting down for that first uh that first game where I said I'd, I'd write a, uh, a player ratings for you. Yeah. I sat down, did it old school with a little notepad and my pen. and Nice. It was a, it was a different feel to watching an All Blacks game. Instead <laughs> just sitting there being a passenger and you know, being excited when there was tries and whatnot. I, I really was sitting there watching more off-the-ball activity and, yeah, just watching players' actions and work rates. And, and yeah, like you said, longer-term trends over multiple games. Like, yeah... I mean, I've always been a bit of a stat man, but you just start looking into to certain patterns and things like mm. that. And it's, uh, yeah, it's just been a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Yeah. I think as well, you know, we're on different sides of the world. So, like, writing and discussing all this stuff with mates, you know, doing this podcast, um, having my brother involved from the Northern Hemisphere with his kind of spin and all his knowledge about the Irish game is, you know, it's yeah. just been a cool way to, like, you know, stay together even though we're on the other side of the world yeah oh, it's, it's definitely helped us uh keep in touch with the the text coming through in the middle of the night when you've seen something interesting <laughs> and wanting to chuck something up on the site and yeah. vice versa and yeah i mean yeah great having chris's input with the island stuff uh mm. i mean he's he's living it over there as a kiwi in ireland and he was giving us that that point of view that you know we would be uh we'd be lacking both you and me he wasn't too disappointed to to be missing out on this episode, but he did say that we've, by not including him, we've immediately lost our whole Irish fan base. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a shame. Well, we've given him a shout out here, so hopefully that'll still stretch out over there, you know. There we go. That's all right. And you know, if we could do it, I was thinking, if we could do it full time, like, what would you do first? And I was like, you know, that's the dream. Uh, I guess I'd probably try not to sandbag too much. You know, and <laughs> if we were doing it full time, you know, we wouldn't be able to do that without advertisers. So you would probably have to shift to, to keeping them happy, I guess. But it feels like, you know, there's lots of opportunity. And, and if you pick a niche and really go after it, you know, online, you'll, you'll find your community these days. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, to do it full time, we'd obviously need, need some sort of advertiser to, to get behind us. And yeah. we'd be quite happily drinking the milk from that corporate tea. Exactly. One, can, uh, one uh, can dream. One can dream. One can dream. I mean, uh, what, what would I do if it was full time? I mean, I'd be I'd be trying to get to every All Blacks game. I would have I would have tried to get on the end of that uh, get on that end of year tour. Yeah. Uh, I would have loved to have been in Chicago with you and in Dublin with Chris. That would have been fantastic. Lots of opportunity, hey. Lots of opportunity. Uh, we, we've just secured. Uh, well, I've just secured a, a ticket for the the Wellington Test. Uh, against the Lions and, nice. and hopefully an Auckland one too. So awesome. we'll we'll have some fly half experience there, that's for sure. Love it. Yeah, lots to look forward to 
next year. And thanks for uh, going through it all with me, Jordan. And it's been a pleasure. And I think probably a good place to wrap up this third and final episode of the season one of our Fly Half podcast. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll speak soon. No worries, mate. Good to hear from you as always. And uh, yeah, thanks for the opportunity. It's been, it's been great fun. Right. See you, mate. See you, mate. Thanks to those listeners who made it this far through. Really hope you enjoyed the episode. We're now looking forward to a relaxed summer of cricket and a huge year for the All Blacks in 2017. We'll keep an eye on player news over the summer and share any interestingness up on flyhalf.net. Otherwise, see you in 2017 with more match previews, key takeaways, player readings, original posts, and of course, season two of the podcast. Until then, take it easy, folks.